0: at the beginning of a new year and a new decade. And it's a great time at the beginning of a new decade to sort of reboot some things in our lives. And one of the areas in which we need to probably do some work on rebooting is in the area of relationships. I'm actually amazed. I had had no intention of doing so much on relationships this next year for 2020, but as it turns out, where I feel like God is leading us to go, is gonna have a, we're going to have a lot that we have to talk about concerning the issue of relationships. And that begins actually next Sunday. For the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about marriage. And so, whether it is that you want to be married one day and you want to start in that process of getting ready, or you are newly married, or you have been married for seemingly forever, wherever you are in the spectrum, this series is going to help you. It's going to bless you as we go through it. In fact, Pastor Libin and I are going to be doing the series together. I'm going to be preaching two of the messages. He's going to be teaching two of the messages. So... Half of the messages are going to be from a young guy, namely me. <laughs> Why is anybody laughing? And a younger guy, namely Pastor Liben Abraham, and we're going to be doing this together. And we're going to be looking at what the Bible teaches about marriage and sort of what God has been teaching us individually in our marriages, and it's going to be a great time. And you look, you know some people that need this. You know some people that maybe they're struggling, maybe they're not, but everyone could use going through a time in which we talk about this most important relationship. So I want to to ask you to invite some people to come and be a part of this on both campuses to come and be a part of this series. In 1937, 1937, wow, all the way back, Harvard University began a series, It began a study of 268 students at Harvard University and it's the most unique study I've ever heard of because they had decided they would follow these 268 students all the way through the rest of their life and it took all the way until 2010 for the last of these students to die and so the series ended in 2010. 72, 73 years that series took place. And the whole purpose of the series is what is it that causes a person to be healthy and happy in their life? What what are the ingredients that really give the best life ever? They went through a series of individuals who oversaw the study. As you can imagine, not one person could do that for 72 years. And the last person that oversaw that study was psychiatrist, Dr. George Valyan. And Dr. Valyan was asked at the end of the series, at the end of the study in 2010, he was interviewed by a reporter and he was asked, okay, it's been 72, 73 years, what have you learned? You can imagine all of the data that had been accumulated over all that period of time. So there must be graphs. There must be all this stuff. So what did you learn? And he said, I'm going to give you just one sentence. What we learned is all wrapped up in one sentence, no graphs, just one sentence. And I quote, what was discovered is that what really matters in life are our relationships and that is it. It is all about relationships. It's not about money. It's not about my career. It's how much money I make, what house I lived in, what car I drove, all the accolades that I might be able to acquire, all the trophies. It is not about any of that. None of that caused a person's life to be healthy and happy. It was all about relationships. I want to talk to you about that very thing today. Colby Bryant was interviewed for uh, 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 GQ magazine. Uh, You know Colby Bryant was one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived. And he was interviewed by a reporter from GQ, and he was just asked a series of questions. And one of the questions he was asked, I would have never thought to ask this question. He was asked the question, do you have any deep relationships in your life? what? Really? He answered it. Amazingly, he said, I have zero deep relationships, zero deep friendships in my life. He said, what has happened to me is that I put everything I had in being the best basketball player I could be, and then when I retired, the best businessman I could be. And he said, I built no deep relationships in my life. And he said, I look back on that and I think, it is the greatest mistake and the greatest weakness of my life. You've probably heard of Warner Brothers Studios. Honestly, they probably rec- uh, created, who knows, tens of thousands of movies and you've seen many of them. And, and uh, Warner, Warner Brothers was actually created by four brothers. Warners. That put all their resources into this, and and, uh, they made this their sort of their life mission. And three of the brothers had already cashed in all of the stock and had died, and Jack Warner was the last one left. Jack Warner then sold all of his stock for $640 million. Now, when you multiply that times four, that's $2.5 billion, and that's what Warner Brothers was worth. He cashed in all of his stock a few decades ago and $640 million. And there was a reporter that came from the L.A. Times and, and wanted to do a story, story on him. And of all the questions that she asked, I'm just stunned by it. She asked the question, do you have any deep friendships? And Jack Warner said, I have no friendships deep friendships in my life. He died not long after that interview. One of the wealthiest men and one of the most impoverished men in the world. It's about relationships. And I want to talk to you about the issue of how do we build better relationships in our life. Our relationship with God, our relationship with others is the most important thing that builds health and happiness in life. So how do we build the deep relationships of our life? And you will not be a bit surprised, I don't think, to hear me say that we build our deepest relationships, not from the outside in, but from the inside out. It actually begins with us in our heart of hearts. That's how deep relationships are actually built. And you will not be surprised to know that from the inside out begins with the God who makes you a better person. The Bible says that God wants to have a relationship with us. He wants to know us and us to know him and have a deep relationship with him. Who better to have a relationship with than the one who made you? Who better to teach us how to live our lives than the one who created life in the first place? There is a statement that would be shocking to many people, but you've heard it already in this service now twice. God not only wants to have a relationship with us, God wants to be your friend He wants a friendship with you and me. The first time that I heard the song of, We Are a Friend of God, it blew me away. On both campuses, there are times in which in all of our services we sing this song. And every time that I've heard it, it has just been amazement to me. But the first time I sang that song, I couldn't finish the song. I was welled up with emotion. I was crying on the inside joy. I can hardly believe it. God wants to be my friend. Even if you know it in your mind, to know it in your heart is a whole nother story. So think about that song. Think about the words of the song, I am a friend of God. These are some of the lyrics. Who am I? that you are mindful of me, that you hear me when I call. Is it true that you are thinking of me, how you love me? It's amazing. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. It is the most amazing truth in all the world. If I were ever asked, summarize Christianity in one word, it would not be religion. It would not be ritual. It would be relationship, that God wants to know you and you to know him and to have a friendship and an intimacy with almighty God. It is the most amazing truth in all the world. But I will tell you, in every one of our lives and every person that you will ever meet in your life, there is something that has come in between us and having a relationship with God. And the Bible calls it sin. And the Bible defines sin as anything below the perfection of God. Anything we say, anything we do, any attitude that we have that is below the perfection of God. When you take seriously the definition of sin, I mean it's like a million sins in our lives. How many times have we been below the perfection of God? It's C.S. Lewis who made this statement. He says, we live with a God-shaped hole in our hearts. We try to fill the hole with money, with things, with, with accolades, with our jobs, with an infinite a number of things, with sports, just trying to fill the hole. There is an emptiness inside and we feel it. But nothing fills the hole because it's a God-shaped hole. Only God can fill that emptiness, that void in a person's heart. And God has taken the initiative to do it. He is the person who took the first step. He came, God came to this earth and took on flesh. That's what Christmas is all about. And he grew up to be a man fully understanding who he is and lived a perfect life. We would expect nothing less from God. And then Jesus, after he had talked to us, he helped us to understand a deeper understanding of who God is and demonstrated miracle after miracle. He opened up his arms, nailed to a cross, and he died our death. The Bible says that God looked down through time. He he is not limited by time, and he took your sin and mine, and he laid our sin upon Jesus on the cross and Jesus died our death. We were the sinner, not Jesus. He died the death not us. He gave himself up for us. And now God says to us, now the next move is us. The Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5, Jesus Christ is the bridge between God and us in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, therefore since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? You can have peace with God only through Jesus. The only mechanism that God has developed is this one mechanism we can have peace with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And then 10 verses later, he says in Romans chapter 5, verse 11, now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God. We can have a relationship with God. And that relationship is because our Lord Jesus Christ has made us, what's the next word? Friends. Friends with God. So how does a person come into this relationship with God? How does a person come to know God as a friend and have this closeness with Him? One of the verses in the Bible that I love so much about this topic, because it's so clear, it's so plain, is in Romans chapter 10 and verse 9, and listen to how it reads. If you will confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, Not with your mind, but with your heart. Believe with your heart that God raised Christ from the dead. You're saved. So let's talk about, let's think about for just a moment what this is saying to us. First of all, we must allow Jesus to become the Lord of our life. The word Lord in the Bible just simply means boss, the one in charge, the one in control. And the problem has been we've been our own boss. And the Bible says we think we've been our own boss, but in reality, Satan has been the one in control all along. We've been going down a wrong path and it's Satan that has led us that, down that path. And how we've messed it up. But God says, if you will come to a place in which you will surrender that lordship to Jesus, Lord Jesus, you are now the boss of my life. I surrender my life to your control if you'll make him boss of your life. And then it says, and if you'll commit yourself to the risen Jesus. Notice that he says, if you will believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. It's so easy to believe with your mind. Oh, of course I believe in God. Of course I believe in Jesus. Oh yeah, I can accept the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's not enough. That's not what he's talking about. If there is a guy and a gal who are dating each other and they've been dating a while and he says to her, oh, I love you so much. She says, oh, that's great. When are we getting married? Oh, I don't want to commit myself. (laughs) Well, we already understand what all this is. That's just words. It's the commitment that is real. The decision, I will commit myself, that is a game changer and that's exactly what he's saying in this verse it's not enough to mentally oh yeah I believe in the resurrection of Jesus it's got to go 10 inches down to the heart and it's talking about commitment I so believe in the resurrection of Christ that I commit my life to Jesus Christ and he says this If you'll turn over lordship of your life to me, if if you'll commit your heart by faith to me, you so believe in the resurrection that you give your heart to me, you're saved. A relationship with God now begins. It begins not on the outside in, but on the inside out. And it begins with the one who created life, a relationship with God. There's a second part to the making these deep friendships, decide to be the right kind of friend. What do I mean by that? Well, it's still the inside out. Our relationships that we build in our life rely far more upon us and who we are on the inside and what we do and how we respond. That's where it really begins. So what does it mean to be the right kind of friend? Well, first of all, it means to be a friend that is loyal. A friend that is loyal. Listen to what he says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. Some friendships don't last, but some friendships are more loyal than even brothers. That word that is translated loyal is a Hebrew word that means to stick like glue. It is a deep connection with an individual. All of us have Friends. And some of you have got Facebook friends, and you already know <laughs> that's not much of a friend, right? It's just a Facebook friend. But the real friends, the deep relationships, require from you a loyalty to that person. In fact, look at the next verse in Proverbs 17:10. Do not forsake your own friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity, better is a friend nearby than a brother far away. What Solomon is saying to us in these two verses is that there are friendships that are actually deeper than the relationships of maybe even our own family. For the Hebrew mind, for a Jewish mind, family is everything. So for Solomon to make this statement, oh, wow, this is a deep relationship that's even deeper, stronger than family. A deep relationship requires loyalty. So where do you stack up in your loyalty to others in your life? The second thing is this, to be a friend, I need to be a friend who puts others ahead of self. Listen to how Jesus puts it in John 15 verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that one laid down his life for his friends. Jesus epitomized this verse, for he did it physically. He he laid down his life for you, for me. He gave himself up on the cross for you and for me. He gave himself up for the relationship, the opportunity to have relationship with us. More than likely, you will never end up dying for a friend. More than likely. And if you did, you could only do it once. But there's something maybe even deeper in that you can give up yourself. For someone else. To move from being selfish to selfless and that is exactly what Jesus is talking about in the verse. It's coming to a place in your relationships in which you are selfless. It's not about you, it's about them. Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 is an amazing passage, I love it and I, I've taught it several times in this church in my ministry. Listen to what it says. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. It's talking about if you want to be the kind of friend that has deep relationships, you've got to develop this place of being selfless. Instead of selfish. The third is this. Be a friend who forgives. Proverbs chapter 17 verse 9 puts it this way. Love forgives mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Even married friends need to learn this skill. If you get around someone for very long, you begin to know them. And the more you know somebody, the more their weaknesses begin to pop out. They it can't, can't uh, be helped. The truth is all of us have some level of facade in our life. But when you get around any of us for a little while, the facade begins to drop and the real us emerges. You get around me for five minutes, you're going to start seeing flaws all popping out all over me. And by the way, we'll see it popping out over you too. Because all of us have them. And one of the things about deep friendships is that you get past the facade and you begin to see who that person really is. But instead of you building grudges against the person for their weaknesses, you give forgiveness instead. Friends who develop deep lasting friendships walk away from the disappointment Instead of walking away from the relationship, true friends decide to rub it out instead of rub it in. One of the ways in which we build strong, lasting, deep relationships is through forgiveness. There is a fourth characteristic be a friend who treats others the way you want to be treated. Jesus puts it this way in Matthew 7, it's verse 12, it's called the golden rule. So in everything, do unto others as you want them to do to you. I can tell you there's not one verse in the Bible that has made a greater impact in my day-to-day than this verse right here. Years ago, I took this verse very seriously in my life. I heard him say this was critically important Learn how to do unto others as you want them to do to you. Have I always lived it out? No. But when God has come back and convicted my heart and He has always brought this verse to me, did you really do that? Did you do unto that person the way you would want that person to do to you? Kathy and I just talk about everything and And sometimes we talk about relationships that we're having with other people in our lives. And there are times in which when I can confide, hey, I've got a conflict, I've got this difficulty, and we talk about that issue. And it always comes back to this verse. I know what I need to do. I know how I need to solve this issue. I know how I need to respond. I need to do unto other that person. Not what they did. He didn't say do unto others like they do to you. He says do unto others how you want them to do to you. I've had so many people over the years who have come to me and said, I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know what to do with this family member or with this relationship at work or whatever. Well, this is the verse. You step back and you think, how would I want someone to treat me? I make the decision to treat that person that way. And it will never lead you down the wrong path. So, first it is this relationship with God that we begin. But then second of all, it's still from the inside out. What kind of friend will we decide to be here is the way you are a friend that has deep relationships. The third thing is this, decide to find the right kind of friend. Remember this, that whoever you build the deepest relationships of your life with, you end up becoming like that person. Your personality begins to alter To line up with that individual, you say, how do you know that? Well, listen to what he says in Proverbs 27, verse 19. A mirror reflects a man's face, but what he is really like is shown by the friends he chooses. Isn't that a profound statement? So the question is, who is it that you want to be like? Choose friends that way. Don Johnson is a guy that, the best I know, doesn't know Christ as Savior, this particular Don Johnson. There's a lot of Don Johnsons out there. But this guy, early on in his life, became a cocaine addict and an alcoholic, and his life for 10 years was just a mess. He had wrecked a dozen cars. But he finally came to the end of himself and was asked the question, do you have any regrets? And he said, regrets. Regrets. Yes, I regret wasting lots of time with a bunch of guys that I wish I hadn't spent 10 minutes with now, let alone 10 years. Why? Because we end up becoming like our deepest relationships. Now, I'm going to ask every teenager to listen to me for just a moment. I want every teenager, every child to listen to me. Your parents are actually right about this. Your parents are right about this. You got to be very careful about who your deepest friendships are, because what will happen is you will begin to change to line up with that person. And you got to be very careful about this issue. When our oldest son Matthew was in high school, um, one day we got we were together. We just talking, and I said, "Tell me." What, tell me about the peer pressure you're experiencing. Tell me what you're going through. Or what are the issues that you're facing? And he said, oh, I, I'm not really going through some peer pressure issues. He said, I, "I that was all solved in middle school. And I said, explain to me this. And he said, in middle school is when I built my deepest relationships, my deepest friendships. They're my friends today. They were all... Christians are all great guys, and he said, I don't feel any peer pressure because I've got my set of friends, and these guys all know Jesus, and so he said, I don't really have an issue in high school. I said, this all happened in middle school? And he said, yes, well, it just so happened that our second son was just entering middle school. So guess what? The next day, Jonathan and I are having breakfast alone at a restaurant. He's going to a new school. He's meeting all these new friends, and we have a heart-to-heart talk. I tell him exactly what his older brother has just said to me, and here's what I said to him. I said, you are not going to be counting anybody as a deep friend until we give you the okay. (laughs) And I know some of you are sitting there saying, are you loony? How could you even say it? I said, "I, I said it because I had a middle schooler. That's why I said it. And I said to him, we're going to meet every one of your friends. You pick guys you like to be around, we're having them over. We're going to have a sleepover, we'll have parties, we'll have time. They can bring them, bring them over, bring anybody over to our house that you want to. We'll get to know them. Kathy got to know every friend's mother, every single one of them. And we, we built relationships with their parents. And there were most of them that it was the thumbs up and a few of them it was the thumbs down. But let me tell you, he built the deepest, closest relationship with other guys who were Christians and other guys whose parents were Christians and they acted like it. And those were swept right into high school and it was the most important thing he ever did in middle school. Because we become like our deepest relationships. And by the way, it's not just kids, it's parents too, it's adults too. We become like the deepest relationships of our life. So take a good long look at the relationships of your life because good relationships help you stay on the right path and life is all about the right path. Pilgrim's Progress is a book I read to both of my boys when they got old enough that they could understand Pilgrim's Progress. And we went through Pilgrim's Progress one chapter a night all the way through that book. And the whole idea of Pilgrim's Progress is the right path. You get on the right path, stay on the right path, you will get to the right destination. But if you don't get on the right path, you will go in the wrong direction it's good relationships that build the idea of that right path and keep us on it. Proverbs 13:20 become wise by walking with the wise. If you hang out with fools, you will watch your life fall to pieces. How could it be any clearer? If you want to see what your life is going to be, as one person, I'm just quoting another guy, if you want to see what your life's going to be in 5 years, Take a look at the books that you're reading and the people you're hanging with. And you will know who you will be five years from now. Don't just pick someone who picks you. Oh, this guy just wants to be my friend. Well, great, and you can have a ton of friends like Facebook friends and and acquaintances and be their friend. But I'm talking about the deepest relationships of our life. Don't just pick somebody that picks you Find somebody who will make you strong. Henry Ford said it this way, my best friend is the one who brings out the best in me. Who brings out the best in you? Here's the last part of this message. It is beginning with God. It is being the right kind of friend. It is choosing the right kinds of friends. But here is the fourth thing and last thing. take Now take the initiative with God and with others. Begin a relationship with others. Begin a relationship with others. Proverbs 18:24. A person who has friends must show himself friendly. Don't set back on both campuses. Don't set back and oh, woe is me, nobody wants to be my friend. Don't do that. You take the initiative. Be the person who initiates friendliness without boy, please get this last part of the sentence, without expectations placed on the other person. Just being friendly. Just being friendly. This is where it can begin in those deeper relationships of your life. Given it shall be given back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. And running over shall others give to your lap. For with what measure you measure out, it will be measured to you again. So measure out friendship. One guy put it this way. I went out to find a friend and did not find one there. I went out to be a friend, and friends were everywhere. And it's not just good saying. It's actually reality. Look for people that are in need. Look for people that need friends. Be friendly. Initiate instead of having everyone have to initiate with you. Dell Carnegie wrote this way. He said, you can make more friends in two months by becoming really interested in other people than you can in two years by trying to get other people interested in you. Learn how to be selfless and give yourself away. And in the process, it is amazing what will happen in your life. So be yourself. Be patient. Be reasonable. If you smother someone else trying to get them to be your deep, close friend, they will go as far away from you as they can go. If you try to be a friend because you have ulterior motives, they will see through it and they will go away as far as they can go. But if you choose to love with no demands, love will always find you. Began a relationship with God. Began a relationship with God. I'm going to take us back to where we started. How do you get this relationship with God? 1 John 4.10 says this. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us. And He sent His Son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. God has already initiated. God came. That's Christmas God died on the cross in Jesus, that's Easter, and rose again. And he has already initiated the relationship, and now it's your turn. It is your turn to say yes. Romans chapter 5, 11. Now we can rejoice in our wonderful relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done in dying for our sins, making us friends with God. So my question to you on both campuses is this. God has already reached out to you. Now would you reach out to him? Making the decision, God, I stop being the the boss of my life. I let you become the boss of my life. Reaching out to God and saying, I not only believe that Jesus died and rose again in my mind, oh God, I want you to see it in my heart. I commit my life to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you on both campuses, you can do that today. In just a few moments, you'll have the opportunity to go to the Next Step Center and talk to one of our ministers. How can you know Jesus as your Savior? There'll be a minister on both campuses who'll sit down with you and show you what the Bible says, and you can receive Christ as Savior or walk out the door. You make the decision. There are some on both campuses, and you've visited sugar creek today maybe this is the first time or the tenth time or the hundredth time but you've never joined this church and there's a sense in your heart this place just feels like home and on both campuses of the next step center you can come and give your heart to christ or you can come to the next step center and join this church what is the next step in your life say yes to god let's pray father we thank you for the truth of your word we love you, our Father, and we come to you today. God, I pray you would move in hearts today to say yes to Jesus. I commit my heart by faith to Jesus Christ. I pray that you would move in hearts today who are visiting this church and they already know Christ, they've already been baptized, but they're coming today. Just say, I, I just think. This is my church home. This place just feels like home. And to come and make that decision, God, move in hearts today. Both campuses, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.